0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim Devico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
1: Hello Captains, you're listening to episode 384 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, September 25th, 2018, and available for download or streaming on Friday, September 28th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Anthony. All right, Kenna, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this
0: week? Well, the air dates for Star Trek's Short Treks have been announced, plus details on what the short features will be about. We're also trekking out Sir Patrick Stewart's first pick from the writers' room on the new Picard series, and a Doctor Who star credits Star Trek with convincing him to take the role. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, Cryptic has started announcing details on the Age of Discovery content, and we're here to keep you up to warp speed. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
2: Captains, remember that those hailing frequencies are always open, and we love to hear from you between episodes. So please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. And now we're on Instagram. Follow us at Priority One Pod.
1: Now's the time of the show, Captains, where we have to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Because of our patrons, we're able to keep the lights on and continue producing the quality content you've come to expect from week to week. Without their support, we simply wouldn't be able to do this. If you've been curious about what Patreon is, it's a way for you to financially support creators that you believe in. For instance, like us, Priority One Podcast, or for instance, Women at Warp. Your dollars go back into developing the show and improving the production quality and its frequency. Donations can be anywhere from a dollar and up. And Priority One Podcast has tiers with rewards for what you contribute. For instance, at $10, you'll get the unedited live recording and audio format that we do every Tuesday night. In addition to a second dedicated podcast strictly for our patrons titled On Screen. This summer, we've been reviewing Lost in Space and you can bet your bottom dollar we'll be reviewing short treks once it premieres later in october now captains we understand that a financial contribution may not be in the cards but there are other ways that you can contribute to the show for instance join us on our live streams on tuesday nights and when you do be sure to share the live stream with all your fellow trekkies and when we publish the show on fridays share that too Let your fellow Trekkies know that they can get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news right here on PriorityOnePodcast.com. And a big shout out to Dave Rutley for upping his contribution status. We're so very grateful, Dave. Thank you so very much.
0: And just one more thing before we get into this week's news we want to let you know that we are still looking for audio editors to join our team. Now, if you fancy being part of the volunteer team that brings you all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse, then get in touch. Email us at incoming at priority one dot com or head over to priority one podcast.com and click on About Us. You don't need any prior experience. We'll train you and we'll give you the software you need. So once again, if you're interested in audio editing for Priority One, just email us at incoming at Priority One Podcast.com or check out our website.
2: Now let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek Multiverse.
0: Um,
1: If last week's Short Treks talk got you excited for the upcoming quartet of bite-sized Trek episodes, then this week will get you downright giddy. We have the titles and release dates. The 10 to 15 minute Star Trek minisodes will start with the Tilly-centric Runaway on Thursday, October 4th. Short Treks will continue on November 8th with the episode Calypso featuring a new character, Craft, played by Aldous Hodge. Next is a look at Saru's younger days on his home planet of Kaminar titled The Brightest Star, which is set to air on Thursday, December 6th. Finally, we'll go jaunting through Trek's seedy underbelly with Harry Mudd in The Escape Artist, airing Thursday, January 3rd. We were also treated to a 15-second teaser trailer for the series, which may or may not reveal some story Trek nuggets. For a link to the video and a synopsis of the four episodes set to air, check out our show notes.
0: So I'm actually really excited for these. Um, I know they're really short, and we've only just really got a tease. I think they're going to just be a little bit of fun. Each of them that we saw little glimpses of in the trailer just seemed like... God, I don't want to use Trek nugget again, but a little nugget of some Star Trek lore to just keep us going, to keep the enthusiasm going, and I'm I'm kind of I'll, I'm there for it. I'm I'm okay with it.
2: I think this is a great way to get Trek fans to sign back up to their CBS All Access uh, accounts. Yeah. Uh, and and you know for those of us who are who are going to watch these as soon as they come out to stay signed up for a few extra months. Um, you know, we could just wait and probably watch them all in January after they've been released, but I, you know, I'm not gonna do that. And the one that piques my interest is the Michael Shabon short Calypso mm-hmm. because this is a character we've never seen before and it, the description says he's waking up in an unfamiliar sickbay. It kind of looks like the Discovery sickbay and I'm wondering how this is going to tie into Discovery or you know how it does or will tie into Discovery and the Harry Mudd one is described as, is, is titled Escape Artist I think mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if this is going to tell us the story of how he escaped from Laurel's prison ship possibly.
0: It's kind of what it looks like from like the half a second that we saw um, which is ab- about the only story that I would like to see from him.
1: So uh, the Calypso not, is not going to be on the Discovery. From, from the, the summary it looks like we're, go- we're on some abandoned ship and he has to survive with the help of the AI computer interface. This could very well be what Marina Sirtis was brought on board to be the voice of this AI computer, right? Remember, mm-hmm. there were rumors about yep. that. But I'm definitely going to be the naysayer on all this. Look, it's great that we have Trek. It's great that it's new content. 100% fantastic. I love it. But for 10 to 15-minute episodes, <laughs> this should have been released. Yes, over time. That's fine. Once a month until the next year. But most certainly not
0: pay-gated. <laughs> I was wondering who was going to go there. Yeah, um, yeah. go on. You're go paying on. up to $40 yeah. for
1: uh, 40 minutes of content. Yeah. That's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. Because I, I, now I, there are, there's going to be other content on CBS All Access. Like, for instance, Twilight Zone is in production. Things like that. But for 10 to 15 minute bite-sized webisodes those should be openly available to the public as a marketing push as something to stoke a fire to get people excited about Star Trek when it when it actually comes back this should be oh oh you didn't watch discovery here let's take a look at this 10 or 15 minute video of what the quality of the content is so that you can invest in season 1 if you didn't or in season 2 if you if you're still on the fence Mm -hmm. for them to pay gate this for a monthly subscription, anywhere between five to $10, I think is a huge mistake and does it a massive disservice, especially that the webisodes, these are tiny webisodes. If these were full on episodes, like an hour long, 45 minutes to an hour episode, I may be singing a different tune, but for not even a half hour, man, I would have preferred if for it not to have been pay gated, I would have preferred voiced, Storyboarding.
0: I do have one final point, actually, that I wanted to make because we, back in the day before Discovery came out, we complained about CBS All Access and the pay gating of Star Trek Discovery as a blatant cash grab. Okay, we we complained about that, and uh, I think justifiably so. And we continued to do it. A lot of people uh, that I know stopped their subscription after it after Discovery was finished. Um, if Discovery was a blatant cash grab, like this is just like next level for to ask us, and they've they've deliberately spaced out the episodes um, one month apart. So you like if you want to see all four, you have to pay for four months or you have to wait. I get it, they're a business, but it just it feel it feels blatant and it feels like mm, last time it was bad, this time it was worse, and I feel even worse about it.
2: Another Star Trek in the works series also made a bit of news this week. Star Trek royalty Sir Patrick Stewart tweeted a photo on Monday, September 24th, along with the caption, quote, The journey has begun. Kirsten Beyer, Michael Shabon, Akiva Goldsman, Deandra Pendleton Thompson, James Duff, and yours truly, hashtag Star Trek, end quote. The photo is of Sir Patrick Stewart and, well, everyone mentioned in the tweet. They are gathered around a table full of beverages, pens, paper, and notes that may have been taken for the Untitled Picard series. Despite our best efforts, we were unable to enhance the photo to glean anything from that paper. But it is heartening to see the minds behind the magic together and working.
0: I loved this. I, I really, really liked it. Especially, I loved that all over the internet was like nerds grabbing that picture and trying to zoom in on anything to see like a reflection of what was happening. I think the best one that I saw shows like a corner of a whiteboard with something that may or may not say Picard on it. <laughs> it's the best. It's great.
2: <laughs> uh, this is real. This to me makes this show that much more real. You know, I, I had mentioned on a previous show that I thought they would have been further along than this, because th- this to me seems like the initial meeting like the first day of work on this new show. And I could be wrong. Uh, I, I would have thought they would have been further along than this. So I have a feeling we may not see this until 2019, fall of 2019 at the earliest. But in, it's also great to see Sir Patrick Stewart directly involved in the writer's room, because that's not typically a thing that you see on you know major television shows, is the stars don't usually get involved in the writing process until like more casually later on in the seasons when they're having conversations with the writers. So for him to be in there and and working with the writers shows to me that this isn't just a paycheck for him, that this is this is him investing in this and I think that that's a great thing.
0: Yeah, but this is not just any series. We've all heard Patrick Stewart's speech at STLV about his journey and actually coming to deciding to do this show it's not just a job you know it's it's a little bit more involved for him and so it doesn't surprise me at all to see him there and i also have to say like i know that i was really um negative when all the news came out and i was like we'll never see it happen i still have my doubts because we still haven't seen a script we still haven't seen a lot of details but it is actually very positive to see a bunch of uh known writers in a room together, because that doesn't happen unless they're getting paid, (laughs) right? And um, the speed with which Short Treks has come out, now, granted, these are standalone, very small episodes, but that has actually surprised me quite a lot, and I'm kind of coming around, so I'm I'm feeling a little bit more positive about the Picard series now, so uh, I'm looking forward to more news.
1: If Star Trek's Picard show is looking for a big-name star they may have had one drop in their lap. 39-year-old actress Rosario Dawson has accomplished a great many things since her role in the movie Kids, released way back in 1995. Her career has been varied and impressive, but one of the few things Miss Dawson has not done is land a part in Star Trek. And she's lobbying to do just that. At a Tribeca TV festival event, Dawson pitched, quote, my favorite is The Next Generation because of Jean-Luc Picard. If they need a Klingon for the new series, well, have you seen my five head? End quote.
0: What's a five head? <laughs> a really large forehead. It's so big. it's. A, oh. we ta- I'm sure we talked about this before. Um, so this isn't completely out of nowhere. Um, if you recall way back, remember back in the day when Brian Fuller used to be showrunner on Discovery. If you can recall right, back yeah, yeah. that far. Um, he'd originally said something along the lines of he'd love to see Angela Bassett as a, as a captain and first officer Rosario Dawson. So I imagine this has been probably kicking around in her head for a while. I think that would be great.
1: I would love to have her in Star Trek. She has a level of comfort mm-hmm. in very many genres, including music theater, uh, including science fiction. Let's not forget she's in Daredevil mm-hmm. uh, on Netflix.
0: And she was in Rent with uh, Anthony Rapp.
1: So I would love to see her in this and and have a part in Star Trek. I really think we need more Latinos in Star Trek, in the forefront. Not a Latino hidden behind makeup or something else. Or, or right? one that dies um, every
2: other episode.
1: Or one that dies every other episode. Because, you know, I, I don't know if I said I know I said this in the live stream, but I've been, I'm in season 7 of Deep Space 9 now. I'm about to wrap it up and I'm ready to throw down. But one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of those red shirts in TNG and, and especially in Deep Space Nine, man, they have Latino names. It's a Sanchez or a Gonzalez or a Rodriguez or a Kike. Let's not forget Kike. Poor Kike. So it'd be nice if, if we had a strong Latino character in Star Trek that doesn't die. Oh, and let's not forget Colbert.
0: Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, you're opening up old wounds there. Well, it turns out that Rosario Dawson isn't the only star making a pitch to appear in Star Trek Picard. X-Men star James McAvoy responded to Patrick Stewart's writer's room photo on Instagram saying, quote, Need a flashback guy? Just saying. I've got previous experience and will work for autographs, end quote. The 39-year-old Scottish actor McAvoy is best known in the U.S. for his role in the aforementioned X-Men, where he portrayed a youthful Professor Xavier opposite Stuart's aged version of the character. As of this recording, no response was given to either actor.
1: If There could be a written rule in Hollywood where (laughs) if there is an actor (laughs) that has portrayed a younger version of an older actor, um, they should have to do it for any sort of... Reboot or whatnot. So, for yeah. instance, James McAvoy or Joseph Gordon Levitt and Bruce Willis and Looper. It should, it should be like, it has to be done.
0: Yeah, it like they're a pair. Done, like, they, and like they are now they're a pair. Hollywood um, contractually yeah. <laughs> obligated. <laughs> yes, relative pairs.
2: The first time I heard this story, I, I was just shouting yes, 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 yes. Then I remembered that uh, Hollywood has the CG de-aging technology, which, which, by the way, was first used on Patrick Stewart in X-Men Last Stand. Then it occurred to me that it's probably cheaper to do that than to hire James McAvoy.
0: I don't care about cheap. I don't care about cheap. There's no cost to this. I agree with Elijah. I think because we now know that James McAvoy is, is a young Patrick Stewart, that 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 should be it forever now. Any flashback, mm-hmm. any kind of anything, definitely. I'm I'm, I'm yes. Uh, this is actually a really good opportunity for a community question, so I think I will ask one. Do you think that the Untitled Picard series should cast Rosario Dawson and or James McAvoy? Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek news. Now let's find out what happened this week in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer, status report. Status. Incoming message.
2: I'm only in the mood for good news today.
1: The new Picard television series, Trek short films, season two of Discovery, and a possible new Star Trek feature film. It truly is a great time to be a Trekkie. And on October 9th, Star Trek Online launches Age of Discovery on PC, and then on Xbox and PS4 later this fall. Get ready for new adventures and new enemies, with a special appearance by our favorite Starfleet cadet, Sylvia Tilly. Hashtag silly for Tilly! Also coming with this update are new random task force operations, and a sixth tier added to all reputations. Age of
2: Discovery also brings with it a whole new starting experience. Your journey begins just a few weeks after the Battle of the Binary Stars. The Federation is at war with the Klingons and everything has changed. For you, your Starfleet Academy class of 2256, and for your friend, underclassman Cadet Tilly. Choose one of the races featured on Star Trek Discovery and head out for a training cruise. A starship full of cadets and a quadrant full of Klingons ready for war, what's the worst that could possibly happen?
1: Well, Secrets is the first episode mission you and your crew will embark on in Age of Discovery. Admiral Kensington dispatches your ship to investigate a research facility near the Delta of Cluster that was attacked by a Klingon raiding party. Oddly enough, the Klingons didn't take anything and left survivors. After your investigation is complete, the second episode in Age of Discovery is Downfall. Starbase One is under attack from the sinister Klingon Joula and her forces. Defend the Starbase and attempt to thwart the offensive. These episodes will be available to captains who complete the Age of Discovery era tutorial and also to 2409 and TOS era captains as a historical simulation after Victory is Life. So this is awesome.
2: Not only are we getting it sooner than I think a lot of us anticipated, but they're already giving us some info into what the first couple of episode missions are and I am very excited about this. I can't wait to jump in and play it. I've already been playing my main character with a Discovery-era uniform and the Walker-class starship, so I'm going to just dive right into this as soon as it comes out.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about this uh, new Age of Discovery and these new missions, um, specifically how Mary Weissman is going to... Uh, bring the game to life, right? Everybody, She's become everybody's favorite cadet, and we're all hashtag silly for Tilly. So I'm really looking forward to it. More importantly, I am really looking forward to the new task force operations. I really am looking forward to this random queue and seeing if it'll get people to play older missions and older queues.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people are excited about that. You know, we talk a lot about the grind, and I think that this is going to bring a lot of those people who are looking for... um You know, some of those specific marks back into the game because they're not going to have to play the same things over and over again, depending on what marks they're looking for. Uh, The other thing that I'm excited about, too, is the sixth tier in the reputations is going to give us vanity shields, and they've already released a look at what a lot of them are going to look like. And I think that's really cool that they're giving us something to sort of customize our ships even a little bit more beyond, you know, the already great customization that's in the
1: game. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Well, that brings us to a really good community question this week. With more and more details coming out about Age of Discovery, what are you looking forward to most? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at priority forward slash PO384 or by replying to our social media community question posts. From now until October 9th on
2: PC, the DS9 lockbox is being replaced by the Infinity War lockbox with two new ships added, the Crossfield Class Science Vessel, the same class as the USS Discovery, and Takuvma's Sarcophagus ship. Also, from now until Monday, October 1st, captains on all three platforms can earn double skill points
1: and expertise to level up those characters before Age of Discovery arrives. The submission period for the Foundry Challenge, in which Foundry authors created missions for Jem'Hadar and or Cardassian characters, has now come to an end. Now captains can play those missions and vote for their favorite. Check out the show notes with a list of the missions, the authors, and how you can cast your vote. And now, let's open hailing
2: frequencies for your
1: incoming messages. Message
0: coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other.
1: Well, captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
0: Episode 383's community question was, Would you like to see Return to Forever, or are you glad it didn't make it on screen?
1: Via Patreon, David S. writes in, One of the main reasons I would like to see Return to Forever on TNG is because TNG-era Trek did sort of ignore the consequences of objects and events from TOS. In addition to the Guardian of Forever, there were those weird parallel or duplicate Earths. I understand from a serious canon perspective why these things were ignored, but they are a part of Trek history, and it would have been nice for them to try and tie up some loose threads like Star Trek Online does with some Next Generation-era episodes. I totally agree with this, because we, Star Trek Online does, in fact, do a great job at telling these stories and tying up these loose threads, but that's the problem with episodic television, right? It's, it's, everything is almost standalone, and it wasn't until Deep Space Nine and later Enterprise that we start to see some more callbacks to things.
2: Also from Patreon, David K. Rutley says, I really think that the Guardian was overused in Star Trek. Sure, the original series episode, City on the Edge of Forever, made great use of time travel with this entity to give a powerful what-if consequence for Captain Kirk and his love of Edith Keeler, and even won a Hugo. But subsequent uses of The Guardian, the animated series Yesteryear, and the unofficial series Star Trek of Gods and Men were just plot devices to shorten the time travel aspect of the shows, in my opinion. Personally, I prefer scientific methods of time travel use, like Scott's and Spock's slingshot maneuver in the original series Tomorrow Is
0: Yesterday. I actually disagree with one little minor point of this comment, actually. So... Star Trek has a has a problem with showing us godlike entities and then forgetting that they ever exist, and not. That, I agree that the Guardian of Forever like could be like a fallback that oh it's the Guardian again, but like how many times have we seen godlike entities that just go away, um, and that we never hear of them again? And sure, sh- I mean at this point the the, the multiverse is littered with these godlike entities everywhere that I guess we just kind of like dodge? I don't know, do we put cones up or something? I don't know. So I like the fact that they would were thinking about going back to, because in re- reality, with air quotes, there would be more than just one instance. There would be more stories to tell around an entity like this. Uh, I'm of two minds, but on that particular point, I differ slightly than David's opinion.
2: I think that part of that problem, too, is that, you know, the writers, when you're writing for a show, you don't really know how long the show's going to last. And I guarantee you, in in 1966, they didn't know that Star Trek was going to continue for, you know, 52 more years. And so when you're creating dramatic you know, episodic television and you think of something big and epic and you write it into the script, you don't think to yourself, oh, in 50 years, is this going to be a problem?
1: From Facebook, Sean Lannon writes in, in season two, TNG really hadn't stood up on its own legs yet, so I'm glad this didn't make it on screen. I think the Guardian of Forever was off limits for the show due to issues with Harlan Ellison. It could be they just didn't want Harlan complaining about it for the next several decades like he did for The City on the Edge of Forever. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> I,
0: I want, like I, I, It's little nuggets like this that I love hearing stories about the background of things that happened on the production side. So I'm, I've got a producery mind. I would love to know what it was that got this script next, Like whether it just never made it even into the writer's room or whether it was just somebody took a look at it and went... Uh, We can't deal with the legal issues. Uh, These are the kinds of things that they talk about on the Trek Files, actually, which is another one of the podcasts on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. They look at these documents and put them into historical context of the production behind the scenes of Star Trek. And yeah, things like this fascinate me. And that, to me, is a bigger story than the actual story itself.
2: From Facebook, Lance Wilson writes, I would have relished the chance to see Leonard Nimoy in action again. Even more so now that he's passed. Luckily, we got that a few TNG seasons later. I also think that bringing in The Guardian would have been another nice tie-in to TOS. However, I hope future Star Trek shows avoid time travel and Virus of the Week episodes as they have been overdone. Yeah, I agree. I hate, the you know, Virus of the Week or Monster of the Week or... Um, and time travel of the week. I, I like time travel when it's done right. And I think that there's been several episodes where they've done it right. Cause and effect is a great one. Um, I actually enjoyed the, the Harry Mud time travel episode from Discovery. I didn't the first time I watched it, but then I did in subsequent views.
0: I have a question, and this is slightly aside, because I think there are a lot of sci-fi tropes get used over and over and over again. Do you think that the fact that we've had so much sci-fi on television and there are so many things that are quote-unquote overdone, do you think that's part of the motivation for moving... Um, sci-fi series into a more like uh, a bigger story arc type format like Discovery because there's some really great science fiction stories going on out there. I don't know if you saw Arrival or I just recently watched Annihilation which was not quite what I thought it was going to be but these are good sort of standalone sort of independent stories that are different from the normal sci-fi tropes of time travel and virus of the week or diplomatic issue of the week but you have to tell them over a bigger time period. Do you, do you guys think that the pressures of trying to, trying to produce a different sci-fi story every single week without reusing is part of the reason that we've moved to this sort of uh, serialized format?
2: I don't think that that's the initial reason. I think that that's a positive uh, byproduct of that. I think the initial reason is simply because television in general has has moved more towards that long form storytelling of uh an an overarching narrative for an entire season. I think Lost was probably the most popular show that really cemented that format and I think that and interestingly enough that show uses time travel in a not like in universe way. It uses time travel in a storytelling way, which is which is really interesting. And I think that that's one of the things that, that you know, the flashback is something that they look at. You know, in Iron Fist season one, I thought suffered because it didn't have flashbacks. And that's kind of a time travel mechanism for storytelling without having to use it in universe. So again, I, I don't think that somebody sat down and said, oh, we should tell longer stories so we don't have to use this stuff. I think it was, we're telling these longer stories so we don't have to rely on these tropes as much. And Flashbacks are more acceptable in storytelling now.
1: One of the things that I have heard time and again was that Star Trek was starting to buckle under its own weight of telling some sort of new trekno babble, and then they're in the middle of writing a story for an episode, and the writers would be like, Nope, we can't do that because in episode such and such, uh, we said that the Warp Core couldn't do that or something yeah, or other. The C um, word canon right and so and so thankfully the direction that television has gone the way anthony has described is that it it, these these this it's a single story told in long format so uh, essentially movies now on television except you're not going in one in one sitting right we're getting a longer story things are a little more drawn out and more investment is made onto a character in the story, um, I think that Star Trek benefits in that aspect because then it it, it doesn't ha- need to worry about having to tell a brand new story in a similar format or the typical format without contradicting something it's already done in a similar episode prior
0: yeah, I agree maybe it's maybe it's just you know we've benefited a little bit. We can steer away from some of the old tropes and tell a, a more intricate story rather than. You know, the the quickies that sometimes got reused.
2: Well, I think in the long form, too, because you're telling one narrative story, you can't use the same trope more than once in that story anyway. And they're probably and because you're telling a, one complete story, you don't need that tropes. And it allows for more character development, more story development, more plot, pushing the plot forward more with the characters and not with the device or the MacGuffin that you're using that week.
1: On PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy writes in, Don't watch Rick and Morty? Don't like Rick and Morty? You two are dead to me. Crosses arms, turns around, and cling on shame. Oh, man. I agree with you, Sean. I'm going to do it for you right now on camera no. during the live show. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Uh,
0: oh, no. No, it Listen, this actually made me kind of upset because Sean Newboy has been listening and commenting on our shows since before I got here years ago. And that kind of made me sad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: I'm not sorry. I don't like oh, it. Now you're f- I don't like now it. You're fired. Now I'm not going to watch it. <laughs>
1: He continues, the more we hear about other solar systems, the cooler the universe is. Thanks, Dr. Hurt. Wonderful show, everyone. Thank you, Sean. I'm glad that you are an intelligent person like I am and other Rick and Morty fans.
0: Well, that wraps up episode 384 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log and Mission Log Live, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com.
1: But before we go, here's a community question for this week. Should the untitled Picard series cast Rosario Dawson or James McAvoy?
2: Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or find us on Twitter or Instagram at Priority One Pod.
0: Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11.30pm Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details.
1: And if that wasn't enough, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel, where they review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we'll team up with you, the viewers, and earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular rewards and giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, new and old. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority1. And if you'd like to join the Armada... Visit PriorityOneArmada.com.
0: Still not enough? Well, then be sure to watch for The Cutting Room. Join Priority One audio editor Brandon Parker on Thursday nights at around 6.30 p.m. Eastern, and watch as he turns our Tuesday hijinks into Friday gold. That link again is twitch.tv forward slash Priority One.
2: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going.
0: Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets.
1: Thanks to our audio editor, Brandon Parker. Thanks to producer Jake Morgan for all of his contributions to Priority One, including assisting in writing the show and our community endeavors. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producers, Navy Boats Lou and Jim DeVico. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible.
0: Enemy ship on sensors.
1: Red alert. Shields up.
0: su no Engage!
1: Engage. Kenna, you sounded a little choked up there when you said your name. Do you want to deliver that one more time?
0: (laughs) I'm Kenna. (laughs) That was more choked up. I I figured that's what you meant um that's what you you're want. like <laughs> <"No."> <laughs> I'm k- <laughs> and I always do that this is the problem my voice isn't warm and it's the first thing that I say so I'm like this is why if anybody's watching my face when you do your hello captains I'm always impressed because from the first bellowing hello it's like there where I'm like i every time I can hear it I'm sorry right do you want me to do it again
2: also from Patreon, David K. Rutley. Is that right?
0: Yep. Yeah, but why did you say like Rutley?
2: Rutley. Sounds
0: like he's on the prices, right?
2: Oh he's oh and he's in chat too. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Sorry, David. You can tell I'm the winkest weakest link.
0: The winkest leak. Winkest
2: the
1: winkest leak. Case in point.
0: Leak also, is that
1: Pikachu? I'm sorry. Wait, is that Pikachu uh, on a DeLorean? What was yeah, it, it's
2: something? it's it's Pikachu on the DeLorean from the end of uh, Back to the Future Two when he gets when he gets struck by lightning.
1: Oh, I really like that shirt. I'm going to have to steal that one, too. Where'd you get it, T-Fury?
2: I'm not going to tell you, because you stole the last T-shirt that I was wearing. (laughs)
1: That's that's okay. It's true. That's okay, Uh, because I will will find that one. You can get it at (laughs)
2: www.goyourself.com.
1: Thanks to producer Jake Morgan for the milk and cookies. He's always so thoughtful. Pineapple